0: Good evening everybody. In this week's show I am going to be introducing you to the wisdom of my spiritual brother, Don Miguel who is, as he shares with you the Toltec Path to Freedom and the dream of the planet. Without further ado, I present to you the wisdom of Don Miguel.
1: The Toltec Path to Freedom breaking old agreements. Everyone talks about freedom. All around the world, different people, different races, different countries are fighting for freedom. But what is freedom? In America, we speak of living in a free country. But are we really free? Are we free to be who we really are? The answer is no, we're not free. True freedom has to do with the human spirit. It is the freedom to be who we really are. Who stops us from being free? We blame the government. We blame the weather. We blame our parents, our religion, or God. Who really stops us from being free? We stop ourselves. What does it really mean to be free? Sometimes we get married and we say that we lose our freedom. Then we get divorced and we are still not free. What stops us? Why can't we be ourselves? We have memories of long ago when we used to be free and we loved being free, but we've forgotten what freedom really means. If we see a child who is two or three, perhaps four years old, we find a free human. Why is this human free? Because this human does whatever he or she wants to do. The human is completely wild, just like a flower, a tree or an animal that has not been domesticated. Wild. And if we observe humans who are two years old, we find that most of the time these humans have a big smile on their faces and they're having fun. They're exploring the world. They're not afraid to play. They're afraid when they're hurt, when they're hungry, when some of their needs are not met. They don't worry about the past, don't care about the future, and only live in the present moment. Very young children are not afraid to express what they feel. They're so loving that if they perceive love, they melt into love. They are not afraid to love at all. That is the description of a normal human being. As children, we are not afraid of the future or ashamed of the past. Our normal human tendency is to enjoy life, to play, to explore, to be happy and to love. But what has happened with the adult human? Why are we so different? Why are we not wild? From the point of view of the victim, we can say that something sad happened to us. And from the point of view of the warrior, we can say that what happened to us is normal. What has happened is that we have the book of law, the big judge and the victim who rule our lives. We are no longer free because the judge the victim, and the belief system don't allow us to be who we really are. Once our minds have been programmed with all that garbage, we're no longer happy. This chain of training, from human to human, from generation to generation, is perfectly normal in human society. You don't need to blame your parents for teaching you to be like them. What else could they teach you but what they know? They did the best they could, And if they abused you, it was due to their own domestication, their own fears and beliefs. They had no control over the programming they received, so they couldn't have behaved any differently. There is no need to blame your parents or anyone who abused you in your life, including yourself. But it is time to stop the abuse. It is time to free yourself of the tyranny of the judge by changing the foundation of your own agreements. It is time to be free from the role of the victim. The real you is still a little child who never grew up. Sometimes that little child comes out when you're having fun or playing, when you feel happy, when you're painting, writing poetry, playing the piano, or expressing yourself in some way. These are the happiest moments of your life, when the real you comes out, when you don't care about the past and you don't worry about the future. You are childlike. But there's something that changes all that. We call them responsibilities. The judge says, wait a second, you're responsible. You have things to do. You have to work. You have to go to school. You have to earn a living. All these responsibilities come to mind. Our face changes and we become serious again. If you watch children when they're playing adults, you'll see their little faces change. Let's pretend I'm a lawyer and right away their faces change. The adult face takes over. We go to court, and that is the face we see, and that is what we are. We are still children, but we've lost our freedom. The freedom we're looking for is the freedom to be ourselves, to express ourselves. But if we look at our lives, we'll see that most of the time we do things just to please others, just to be accepted by others rather than living our lives to please ourselves. That is what's happened to our freedom. And we see in our society and all the societies around the world that for every thousand people, 999 are completely domesticated. The worst part is that most of us are not even aware that we are not free. There's something inside us that whispers to us that we are not free, but we do not understand what it is and why we are not free. The problem with most people is that they live their lives and never discover that the judge and the victim rule their mind, and therefore they don't have a chance to be free. The first step toward personal freedom is awareness. We need to be aware that we are not free in order to be free. We need to be aware of what the problem is in order to solve the problem. Awareness is always the first step, because if you're not aware, there's nothing you can change. If you're not aware that your mind is full of wounds and emotional poison, you cannot begin to clean and heal the wounds and you'll continue to suffer. There's no reason to suffer. With awareness, you can rebel and say, this is enough. You can look for a way to heal and transform your personal dream. The dream of the planet is just a dream. It is not even real. If you go into the dream and start challenging your beliefs you'll find that most of the beliefs that guided you into the wounded mind are not even true. You'll find that you suffered all those years of drama for nothing. Why? Because the belief system that was put inside your mind is based on lies. That is why it is important for you to master your own dream. That is why the Toltecs became dream masters. Your life is the manifestation of your dream. It is an art. And you can change your life anytime if you aren't enjoying the dream. Dream masters create a masterpiece of life. They control the dream by making choices. Everything has consequences, and the dream master is aware of the consequences. To be Toltec is a way of life. It is a way of life where there are no leaders and no followers, where you have your own truth and live your own truth. A Toltec becomes wise, becomes wild, and becomes free again. When we talk about the Toltec path to freedom, we find that they have an entire map for breaking free of domestication. They compare the judge, the victim, and the belief system to a parasite that invades the human mind. From the Toltec point of view, all humans who are domesticated are sick. They are sick because there is a parasite that controls the mind and controls the brain. The food for the parasite are the negative emotions that come from fear. If we look at the description of a parasite, we find that a parasite is a living being who lives off of other living beings, sucking their energy without any useful contribution in return and hurting their host little by little. The judge, the victim and the belief system fit this description very well. Together, they comprise a living being made of psychic or emotional energy, and that energy is alive. Of course, it's not material energy, but neither are emotions material energy. Our dreams are not material energy either, but we know they exist. One function of the brain is to transform material energy into emotional energy. Our brain is the factory of the emotions, and we have said that the main function of the mind is to dream. The Toltecs believe that the parasite, the judge, the victim, and the belief system, has control of your mind. It controls your personal dream. The parasite dreams through your mind and lives its life through your body. It survives on the emotions that come from fear and thrives on drama and suffering. The freedom we seek is to use our own mind and body to live our own life instead of the life of the belief system. When we discover that the mind is controlled by the judge and the victim and the real us is in the corner, we have just two choices. One choice is to keep living the way we are, to surrender to the judge and the victim, to keep living in the dream of the planet. The second choice is to do what we do as children when parents try to domesticate us. We can rebel and say no. We can declare a war against the parasite, a war against the judge and the victim, a war for our independence, a war for the right to use our own mind and our own brain. That is why in all the shamanic traditions in America, from Canada to Argentina, people call themselves warriors, because they are in a war against the parasite in the mind. That is the real meaning of a warrior. The warrior is one who rebels against the invasion of the parasite and declares a war. But to be a warrior doesn't mean we always win the war. We may win, or we may lose, but we always do our best, and at least we have a chance to be free again. Choosing this path gives us, at the very least, the dignity of rebellion and ensures that we will not be the helpless victim of our own whimsical emotions or the poisonous emotions of others. Even if we succumb to the enemy, the parasite, we will not be among those victims who would not fight back. At best, being a warrior gives us an opportunity to transcend the dream of the planet and to change our personal dream to a dream that we call heaven. Just like hell, Heaven is a place that exists within our mind. It is a place of joy, a place where we are happy, where we are free to love and to be who we really are. We can reach heaven while we're alive. We don't have to wait until we die. God is always present, and the kingdom of heaven is everywhere. But first, we need to have the eyes and ears to see and hear that truth. We need to be free of the parasite. The parasite can be compared to a monster with a thousand heads. Every head of the parasite is one of the fears that we have. If we want to be free, we have to destroy the parasite. One solution is to attack the parasite head by head, which means we face each of our fears one by one. This is a slow process, but it works. Every time we face one of the fears, we are a little more free. A second approach is to stop feeding the parasite. If we don't give the parasite any food, we kill the parasite by starvation. To do this, we have to gain control of our emotions. We have to refrain from fueling the emotions that come from fear. This is easy to say, but it is very difficult to do. It is difficult because the judge and the victim control our mind. A third solution is called The Initiation of the Dead The Initiation of the Dead is found in many traditions and esoteric schools around the world. We find it in Egypt, India, Greece, and America. This is a symbolic death, which kills the parasite without harming our physical body. When we die symbolically, the parasite has to die. This is faster than the first two solutions, but it is even more difficult to do. We need a great deal of courage to face the angel of death. We need to be very strong. Let's take a closer look at each of these solutions. The Art of Transformation The Dream of the Second Attention We've learned that the dream you're living now is the result of the outside dream hooking your attention and feeding you all of your beliefs. The process of domestication can be called the dream of the first attention because it was how your attention was used for the first time to create the first dream of your life. One way to change your beliefs is to focus your attention on all those agreements and beliefs and change the agreements with yourself. In doing this, you are using your attention for the second time, thus creating the dream of the second attention, or the new dream. The difference is that you are no longer innocent. When you were a child, this was not true. You didn't have a choice. But you're no longer a child now it's up to you to choose what to believe and what not to believe you can choose to believe in anything and that includes believing in yourself the first step is to become aware of the fog that is in your mind you must become aware that you are dreaming all the time only with awareness do you have the possibility of transforming your dream If you have the awareness that the whole drama of your life is the result of what you believe, and what you believe is not real, then you can begin to change it. However, to really change your beliefs, you need to focus your attention on what it is that you want to change. You have to know which agreements you want to change before you can change them. So the next step is to develop awareness of all the self-limiting, fear-based beliefs that make you unhappy. You take an inventory of all that you believe, all your agreements, and through this process you begin the transformation. The Totex called this the art of transformation and its a whole mastery. You achieve the mastery of transformation by changing the fear-based agreements that make you suffer and reprogramming your own mind in your own way. One of the ways to do this is to explore and adopt alternative beliefs, such as the Four Agreements. The decision to adopt the Four Agreements is a declaration of war to regain your freedom from the parasite. The Four Agreements offer the possibility of ending the emotional pain, which can open the door for you to enjoy your life and begin a new dream. It's up to you to explore the possibilities of your dream if you're interested. The four agreements were created to assist you in the art of transformation, to help you break the limiting agreements, gain more personal power and become stronger. The stronger you get, the more agreements you can break until the moment comes when you make it to the core of all those agreements. Going to the core of those agreements is what I call going into the desert. When you go into the desert, you meet your demons face to face. After coming out of the desert, all those demons become angels. Practicing the four new agreements is a big act of power. Breaking the spell of black magic in your mind requires great personal power. Every time you break an agreement, you gain extra power. You start by breaking agreements that are very small and require less power. As those smaller agreements are broken, your personal power will increase until you reach a point when you can finally face the big demons in your mind. For example, the little girl who was told not to sing is now twenty years old, and she still does not sing. One way she can overcome the belief that her voice is ugly is to say, ''Okay, I will try to sing even if I do sing badly.'' Then she can pretend that someone is clapping and telling her, ''Oh, that was beautiful.'' This may break the agreement a teeny, tiny bit, but it will still be there. However, now she has a little more power and courage to try again and again until finally she breaks the agreement. That's one way out of the dream of hell. But for every agreement you break that makes you suffer, you'll need to replace it with a new agreement that makes you happy. This will keep the old agreement from coming back. If you occupy the same space with a new agreement, then the old agreement is gone forever, and in its place is the new agreement. There are many strong beliefs in the mind that can make this process look hopeless. That's why you need to go step by step and be patient with yourself, because this is a slow process. The way you are living now is the result of many years of domestication. You cannot expect to break the domestication in one day. Breaking agreements is very difficult, because we put the power of the word, which is the power of our will, into every agreement we have made. We need the same amount of power to change an agreement. We cannot change an agreement with less power than we use to make the agreement, and almost all our personal power is invested in keeping the agreements we have with ourselves. That's because our agreements are actually like a strong addiction. We are addicted to being the way we are. We are addicted to anger, jealousy, and self-pity. We are addicted to the beliefs that tell us, I'm not good enough, I am not intelligent enough, why even try? Other people will do it because they're better than me. All of these old agreements which rule our dream of life are the result of repeating them over and over. Therefore, to adopt the four agreements, you need to put repetition in action. Practicing the new agreements in your life is how your best becomes better. Repetition makes the master. The Discipline of the Warrior Controlling Your Own Behavior Imagine that you awake early one morning, overflowing with enthusiasm for the day. You feel good. You're happy and have plenty of energy to face the day. Then at breakfast, you have a big fight with your spouse and a flood of emotion comes out. You get mad, and in the emotion of anger you spend a lot of personal power. After the fight you feel drained, and you just want to go and cry. In fact, you feel so tired that you go to your room, collapse, and try to recover. You spend the day wrapped up in your emotions. You have no energy to keep going, and you just want to walk away from everything. Every day we awake with a certain amount of mental, emotional, and physical energy that we spend throughout the day. If we allow our emotions to deplete our energy, we have no energy to change our life or to give to others. The way you see the world will depend upon the emotions you're feeling. When you're angry, everything around you is wrong. Nothing is right. You blame everything, including the weather. Whether it's raining or the sun is shining, nothing pleases you. When you're sad, everything around you is sad and makes you cry. You see the trees and you feel sad. You see the rain and everything looks so sad. Perhaps you feel vulnerable and have a need to protect yourself because you don't know in what moment someone will attack you. You do not trust anything or anyone around you. This is because you see the world with the eyes of fear. Imagine that the human mind is the same as your skin. You can touch healthy skin and it feels wonderful. Your skin is made for perception, and the sensation of touch is wonderful. Now imagine you have an injury and the skin gets cut and infected. If you touch the infected skin, it's going to hurt, so you try to cover and protect the skin. You will not enjoy being touched, because it hurts. Now imagine that all humans have a skin disease. Nobody can touch each other because it's going to hurt. Everyone has wounds on their skin, so the infection is seen as normal. The pain is also considered normal. We believe we're supposed to be that way. Can you imagine how we would behave with each other if all the humans in the world had this skin disease? Of course we would hardly ever hug each other because it would be too painful. So we would need to create a lot of distance between us. The human mind is exactly like this description of infected skin. Every human has an emotional body completely covered with infected wounds. Each wound is infected with emotional poison, the poison of all the emotions that makes us suffer, such as hate, anger, envy, and sadness. An action of injustice opens a wound in the mind, and we react with emotional poison because of the concepts and beliefs we have about injustice and what is fair. The mind is so wounded and full of poison by the process of domestication that everyone describes the wounded mind as normal. This is considered normal, but I can tell you it is not normal. We have a dysfunctional dream of the planet, and humans are mentally sick with a disease called fear. The symptoms of the disease are all the emotions that make humans suffer. Anger, hate, Sadness, envy, and betrayal. When the fear is too great, the reasoning mind begins to fail and we call this mental illness. Psychotic behavior occurs when the mind is so frightened and the wounds so painful that it seems better to break contact with the outside world. If we can see our state of mind as a disease, we find there is a cure. We don't have to suffer any longer. First we need the truth. To open the emotional wounds take the poison out and heal the wounds completely how do we do this we must forgive those we feel have wronged us not because they deserve to be forgiven but because we love ourselves so much we don't want to keep paying for the injustice forgiveness is the only way to heal we can choose to forgive because we feel compassion for ourselves We can let go of the resentment and declare, that's enough. I will no longer be the big judge that goes against myself. I will no longer beat myself up and abuse myself. I will no longer be the victim. First, we need to forgive our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, and God. Once you forgive God, you can finally forgive yourself. Once you forgive yourself, the self-rejection in your mind is over. Self-acceptance begins and the self-love will grow so strong that you will finally accept yourself just the way you are. That's the beginning of the free human. Forgiveness is the key. You will know you have forgiven someone when you see them and you no longer have an emotional reaction. You'll hear the name of the person and you'll have no emotional reaction When someone can touch what used to be a wound and it no longer hurts you, then you know you have truly forgiven. The truth is like a scalpel. The truth is painful because it opens all of the wounds which are covered by lies so that we can be healed. These lies are what we call the denial system. It's a good thing we have the denial system because it allows us to cover our wounds and still function. But once we no longer have any wounds or any poison, We don't need to lie anymore. We don't need the denial system because a healthy mind, like healthy skin, can be touched without hurting. It's pleasurable for the mind to be touched when it's clean. The problem with most people is that they lose control of their emotions. It is the emotions that control the behavior of the human, not the human who controls the emotions. When we lose control, we say things that we don't want to say and do things that we don't want to do. That's why it is so important to be impeccable with our word and to become a spiritual warrior. We must learn to control the emotions so we have enough personal power to change our fear-based agreements, escape from hell, and create our own personal heaven. How are we to become a warrior? There are certain characteristics of the warrior that are nearly the same around the world. The warrior has awareness. That's very important. We are aware that we are at war, and the war in our minds requires discipline. Not the discipline of a soldier, but the discipline of a warrior. Not the discipline from the outside to tell us what to do and what not to do, but the discipline to be ourselves, no matter what. The warrior has control. Not control over another human, but control over one's own emotions, control over oneself. It is when we lose control that we repress the emotions, not when we are in control. The big difference between a warrior and a victim is that the victim represses and the warrior refrains. Victims repress because they are afraid to show the emotions, afraid to say what they want to say. To refrain is not the same thing as repression to refrain is to hold the emotions and to express them in the right moment, not before, not later. That is why warriors are impeccable. They have complete control over their own emotions and, therefore, over their own behavior. THE INITIATION OF THE DEAD EMBRACING THE ANGEL OF DEATH The final way to attain personal freedom is to prepare ourselves for the initiation of the dead, to take death itself as our teacher. What the angel of death can teach us is how to be truly alive. We become aware that we can die at any moment. We have just the present to be alive. The truth is that we don't know if we're going to die tomorrow. Who knows? We have the idea that we have many years in the future. But do we? If we go to the hospital and the doctor tells us that we have one week to live, what are we going to do? As we have said before, we have two choices. One is to suffer because we're going to die and to tell everyone, poor me, I'm going to die and really create a huge trauma. The other choice is to use every moment to be happy, to do what we really enjoy doing. If we only have one week to live, let's enjoy life. Let's be alive. We can say, I'm going to be myself. No longer am I going to run my life trying to please other people. No longer am I going to be afraid of what they think about me. What do I care what others think if I'm going to die in one week? I'm going to be myself. The angel of death can teach us to live every day as if it is the last day of our life, as if there may be no tomorrow. We can begin each day by saying, I'm awake. I see the sun. I'm going to give my gratitude to the sun and to everything and everyone because I'm still alive. One more day to be myself. That is the way I see life. That is what the angel of death taught me. To be completely open. To know that there's nothing to be afraid of. And of course I treat the people I love with love because this may be the last day that I can tell you how much I love you. I don't know if I'm going to see you again, so I don't want to fight with you. What if I had a big fight with you and I told you all those emotional poisons that I have against you and you die tomorrow? Oops. Oh, my God, the judge will get me so bad and I will feel so guilty for everything that I told you. I will even feel guilty for not telling you how much I love you. The love that makes me happy is the love that I can share with you. Why do I need to deny that I love you? It is not important if you love me back. I may die tomorrow, or you may die tomorrow. What makes me happy now is to let you know how much I love you. You can live your life this way. By doing so, you prepare yourself for the initiation of death. What is going to happen in the initiation of death is that the old dream that you have in your mind is going to die forever. Yes, you are going to have memories of the parasite, of the judge, the victim, and what you used to believe, but the parasite will be dead. What is going to die in the initiation of death is the parasite, but the judge and the victim will fight with everything they have. They don't want to die, and we feel we are the ones who are going to die, and we are afraid of this death. When we live in the dream of the planet, It is as if we are dead. Whoever survives the initiation of the dead receives the most wonderful gift, the resurrection. To receive the resurrection is to arise from the dead, to be alive, to be ourselves again. The resurrection is to be like a child, to be wild and free, but with a difference. The difference is that we have freedom with wisdom instead of innocence. We are able to break our domestication become free again and heal our mind. We surrender to the angel of death, knowing that the parasite will die and we will still be alive with a healthy mind and perfect reason. Then we are free to use our own mind and run our own life. That is what, in the Toltec way, the angel of death teaches us. The angel of death comes to us and says, You see, everything that exists here is mine. Not yours. Your house, your spouse, your children, your car, your career, your money, is mine. And I can take it away when I want to. But for now, you can use it. If we surrender to the angel of death, we will be happy forever and ever. Why? Because the angel of death takes the past away in order to make it possible for life to continue. For every moment that is past, the angel of death keeps taking away the part that is dead, and we keep living in the present. The parasite wants us to carry the past with us, and that makes it so heavy to be alive. When we try to live in the past, how can we enjoy the present? When we dream of the future, why must we carry the burden of the past? When are we going to live in the present? That is what the angel of death teaches us to do. which together create a dream of a family, a dream of a community, a dream of a city, a dream of a country, and finally, a dream of the whole humanity. The dream of the planet includes all of society's rules, its beliefs, its laws, its religions, its different cultures and ways to be, its governments, schools, social events, and holidays. We are born with the capacity to learn how to dream, and the humans who live before us teach us how to dream the way society dreams. The outside dream has so many rules that when a new human is born, we hook the child's attention and introduce these rules into his or her mind. The outside dream uses mom and dad, the schools and religion, to teach us how to dream. Attention is the ability we have to discriminate and to focus only on that which we want to perceive. We can perceive millions of things simultaneously, but using our attention, we can hold whatever we want to perceive in the foreground of our mind. The adults around us hooked our attention and put information into our minds through repetition. That is the way we learned everything we know. By using our attention, we learned a whole reality, a whole dream. and continues into adulthood. The outside dream hooks our attention and teaches us what to believe, beginning with the language that we speak. Language is the code for understanding and communication between humans. Every letter, every word in each language is an agreement. Once we understand the code, our attention is hooked, and the energy is transferred from one person to another. It was not your choice to speak English. You didn't choose your religion or your moral values. They were already there before you were born. We never had the opportunity to choose what to believe or what not to believe. We never chose even the smallest of these agreements. We didn't even choose our own name. As children, we didn't have the opportunity to choose our beliefs but we agreed with the information that was passed to us from the dream of the planet via other humans. The only way to store information is by agreement. The outside dream may hook our attention, but if we don't agree, we don't store that information. As soon as we agree, we believe it, and this is called faith. To have faith is to believe unconditionally. That's how we learn as children. Children believe everything adults say. We agree with them, and our faith is so strong that the belief system controls our whole dream of life. We didn't choose these beliefs, and we may have rebelled against them, but we were not strong enough to win the rebellion. The result is surrender to the beliefs with our agreement. I call this process the domestication of humans. And through this domestication, we learn how to live and how to dream. In human domestication, the information from the outside dream is conveyed to the inside dream, creating our whole belief system. First, the child is taught the names of things. Mom. Dad. Milk. Bottle. Day by day, at home, At school, at church, and from television, we are told how to live, what kind of behavior is acceptable. The outside dream teaches us how to be a human. We have a whole concept of what a woman is and what a man is, and we also learn to judge. We judge ourselves, we judge other people, we judge the neighbors. Children are domesticated the same way that we domesticate a dog a cat, or any other animal. In order to teach a dog, we punish the dog, and we give it rewards. We train our children, whom we love so much, the same way that we train any domesticated animal, with a system of punishment and reward. We're told, you're a good boy, or you're a good girl, when we do what Mom and Dad want us to do. When we don't, we are a bad girl, or a bad boy. When we went against the rules, we were punished, When we went along with the rules, we got a reward. We were punished many times a day, and we were also rewarded many times a day. Soon we became afraid of being punished and also afraid of not receiving the reward. The reward is the attention that we got from our parents or from other people like siblings, teachers, and friends. We soon develop a need to hook other people's attention in order to get the reward. The reward feels good, and we keep doing what others want us to do in order to get the reward. With that fear of being punished, and that fear of not getting the reward, we start pretending to be what we are not, just to please others, just to be good enough for someone else. We try to please mom and dad, we try to please the teachers at school, we try to please the church, and so we start acting. We pretend to be what we are not because we are afraid of being rejected. The fear of being rejected becomes the fear of not being good enough. Eventually, we become someone that we are not. We become a copy of Mama's beliefs, Daddy's beliefs, Society's beliefs, and Religion's beliefs. All our normal tendencies are lost in the process of domestication. And when we're old enough for our mind to understand, we learn the word, no. The adults say, Don't do this and don't do that. We rebel and say, no, because we are defending our freedom. We want to be ourself, but we are very little, and the adults are big and strong. After a certain time, we are afraid because we know that every time we do something wrong, we're going to be punished. The domestication is so strong that at a certain point in our life, we no longer need anyone to domesticate us. We don't need mom or dad the school or the church to domesticate us we're so well trained that we are our own domesticator we are an auto domesticated animal we can now domesticate ourselves according to the same belief system we were given and using the same system of punishment and reward we punish ourselves when we don't follow the rules according to our belief system we reward ourselves when we are the good boy or the good girl just as the government has a book of laws that rule the society's dream, our belief system is the book of laws that rules our mind. Without question, whatever is in that book of law is our truth. We base all of our judgments according to the book of law, even if these judgments go against our own inner nature. Even moral laws, like the Ten Commandments, are programmed into our mind in the process of domestication. One by one, All these agreements go into the book of law, and these agreements rule our personal dream. There's something in our minds that judges everybody and everything, including the weather, the dog, the cat, everything. The inner judge uses what is in our book of law to judge everything we do and don't do, everything we think and don't think, and everything we feel and don't feel. Everything lives under the tyranny of this judge. Every time we do something that goes against the book of law, the judge says we are guilty, we need to be punished, we should be ashamed. This happens many times a day, day after day, for all the years of our lives. There's another part of us that receives the judgments, and this part is called the victim. The victim carries the blame, the guilt, and the shame. It is the part of us that says, poor me, I'm not good enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not worthy of love. Poor me. The big judge agrees and says, yes, you're not good enough. And this is all based on a belief system that we never chose to believe. These beliefs are so strong that even years later, when we're exposed to new concepts and try to make our own decisions, we find that these beliefs still control our lives. Whatever goes against the book of law will make you feel a funny sensation in your solar plexus, and it's called fear. Breaking the rules in the book of law opens your emotional wounds, and your reaction is to create emotional poison, because even if the book of law is wrong, it makes you feel safe. Anything that challenges what you believe is going to make you feel unsafe. That is why we need a great deal of courage to challenge our own beliefs, because even if we know we didn't choose all these beliefs, it's also true that we agreed to all of them. The agreement is so strong that even if we understand the concept of it not being true, we feel the blame, the guilt, and the shame that occur if we go against these rules. All these laws exist in our mind, we believe them, and the judge inside us bases everything on these rules. The judge decrees and the victim suffers the guilt and punishment. But who says there is justice in this dream? True justice is paying only once for each mistake. True injustice is paying more than once for each mistake. How many times do we pay for one mistake? The answer is thousands of times. The human is the only animal on earth that pays a thousand times for the same mistake. The rest of the animals pay once for every mistake they make, but not us. We have a powerful memory. We make a mistake, we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty, and we punish ourselves. If justice exists and that was enough, we don't need to do it again. But every time we remember, we judge ourselves again, we are guilty again, and we punish ourselves again and again and again. If we have a wife or husband, he or she also reminds us of the mistake, so we can judge ourselves again, punish ourselves again, and find ourselves guilty again. Is this fair? How many times do we make our spouse, our children, or our parents pay for the same mistake? Every time we remember the mistake, we blame them again and send them all the emotional poison we feel at the injustice. And then we make them pay again for the same mistake. Is that justice? The judge in the mind is wrong, because the belief system, the book of law, is wrong. The whole dream is based on false law. Ninety-five percent of the beliefs we have stored in our minds are nothing but lies. And we suffer because we believe all these lies. In the dream of the planet, it is normal for humans to suffer, to live in fear and to create emotional dramas. The outside dream is not a pleasant dream. It is a dream of violence, a dream of fear, a dream of war, a dream of injustice. The personal dream of humans will vary, but globally, it is mostly a nightmare. If we look at human society, we see a place so difficult to live in because it is ruled by fear. Throughout the world we see human suffering, anger, revenge, addictions, violence in the street, and tremendous injustice. It may exist at different levels in different countries around the world but fear is controlling the outside dream. If we compare the dream of human society with the description of hell that religions all around the world have promulgated, we find they are exactly the same. Religions say that hell is a place of punishment, a place of fear, pain and suffering, a place where the fire burns you. Fire is generated by emotions that come from fear. Whenever we feel the emotions of anger, jealousy, envy, or hate, we experience a fire burning within us. We are living in a dream of hell. If you consider hell as a state of mind, then hell is all around us. Others may warn us that if we don't do what they say we should do, we will go to hell. Bad news. We're already in hell, including the people who tell us that. No human can condemn another to hell because we're already there. Others can put us into a deeper hell, true, but only if we allow this to happen. Every human has his or her own personal dream. And just like the society dream, it is often ruled by fear. We learn to dream hell in our own life, in our personal dream. The same fears manifest in different ways for each person, of course, but we experience anger, jealousy, hate, envy, and other negative emotions. Our personal dream can also become an ongoing nightmare, where we suffer and live in a state of fear. But we don't need to dream a nightmare. It is possible to enjoy a pleasant dream. All of humanity is searching for truth, justice, and beauty. We are on an eternal search for the truth because we only believe in the lies we have stored in our mind. We're searching for justice because in the belief system we have, there is no justice. We search for beauty because it doesn't matter how beautiful a person is, we don't believe that person has beauty. We keep searching and searching when everything is already within us there is no truth to find. Wherever we turn our heads, all we see is the truth. But with the agreements and beliefs we have stored in our mind, we have no eyes for this truth. We don't see the truth because we are blind. What blinds us are all those false beliefs we have in our mind. We have the need to be right and to make others wrong. We trust what we believe and our beliefs set us up for suffering. It is as if we live in the middle of a fog that doesn't let us see any further than our own nose. This fog is our personal dream of life, everything we believe about ourself and the world, all the concepts we have about what we are, all the agreements we have made with others, with ourselves, and even with God. The Toltecs called this fog a mitote, The mitote can be compared to a huge marketplace where thousands of people are talking at the same time and nobody understands each other. This is the condition of the human mind, a big mitote. And with that big mitote, we cannot see what we really are. In India, they call the mitote Maya, which means illusion. It is the personality's notion of I am. We cannot see who we truly are. We cannot see that we are not free. That is why humans resist life. To be alive is the biggest fear humans have. Death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive and to express what we really are. Just being ourself is the biggest fear of humans. We have learned to live our life trying to satisfy other people's demands. We have learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. During the process of domestication, we form an image of what perfection is in order to try to be good enough, in order to be accepted by everybody. We especially try to please the ones who love us, like mom and dad, big brothers and sisters, the priests and the teacher. Trying to be good enough for them, we create an image of perfection. But we don't fit this image. We create this image, but this image is not real. We are never going to be perfect from this point of view. Never. Not being perfect, we reject ourselves. And the level of self-rejection depends upon how effective the adults were in breaking our integrity. After domestication... It is no longer about being good enough for anybody else. We are not good enough for ourselves, because we don't fit with our own image of perfection. We cannot forgive ourselves for not being what we wish to be, or rather, what we believe we should be. We cannot forgive ourselves for not being perfect. We know we are not what we believe we are supposed to be, and so we feel false, frustrated, and dishonest. We try to hide ourselves and we pretend to be what we are not. The result is that we feel unauthentic and wear social masks to keep others from noticing this. We are so afraid that somebody else will notice that we are not what we pretend to be. We judge others according to our image of perfection as well. And naturally, they fall short of our expectations. We dishonor ourselves just to please other people. We even do harm to our physical bodies just to be accepted by others. You see teenagers taking drugs just to avoid being rejected by other teenagers. They are not aware that the problem is that they don't accept themselves. They reject themselves because they are not what they pretend to be. They wish to be a certain way, but they are not. And for this they carry shame and guilt. Humans punish themselves endlessly for not being what they believe they should be. They become very self-abusive, and they use other people to abuse themselves as well. But nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. And it is the judge, the victim, and the belief system that make us do this. True, we find people who say their husband or wife or mother or father abused them but you know that we abuse ourselves much more than that. The way we judge ourselves is the worst judge that ever existed. If we make a mistake in front of people, we try to deny the mistake and cover it up. But as soon as we're alone, the judge becomes so strong, the guilt is so strong, and we feel stupid or bad or unworthy. In your whole life, Nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. And the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself, you'll probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you'll probably stay in the relationship and tolerate it endlessly. If you abuse yourself very badly, you can even tolerate someone who beats you up, humiliates you, and treats you like dirt. Why? Because in your belief system you say, I deserve it. This person is doing me a favor by being with me. I'm not worthy of love and respect. I'm not good enough. We have the need to be accepted and to be loved by others, but we cannot accept and love ourselves. The more self-love we have, the less we will experience self-abuse. Self-abuse comes from self-rejection, and self-rejection comes from having an image of what it means to be perfect and never measuring up to that ideal. Our image of perfection is the reason we reject ourselves. It is why we don't accept ourselves the way we are and why we don't accept others the way they are.
0: This is Marcus Leder, and you've been listening to The Shaman's Brew on the Jackalope Media Network.